0: If I, don't, if I ask not to have presence, I'm taking away your ability to give. And so it's not my right for you to go, oh, but I really wanted to do something special for you. So in, in, i got to learn to receive, but I've also got to allow you to, to be able to have that opportunity to give and make that choice. Hi, guys. Stephen, how's it going? Good, mate. Yourself? Doing well. Happy to see you. Good to see you guys again. Bit disappointed you haven't matched t shirts this time. <laughs> I know. I was just that thinking would have been it's too tacky.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> right now it's, it's warmer for you and it's colder for us. So, like, I've got a hoodie on. It's a little colder inside. So, I didn't know if we were going to match today. That's cool. Now I've
2: definitely
0: got a t shirt on, but it's, it's a bit muggy here it's um i suppose we're in spring at the moment so but we just had where i live just massive amount of rain there's flooding all through the north part of the state that we live in like literally highways closed off you know a whole lot of wow. farmland closed off which is interesting this area that flooded is where our main fruit and vegetable produce is so, uh, Ouch. so it could be interesting coming up over the next few months as to what that looks like and means like for, you know, fresh food and, and everything else coming down into the southern parts of the, of the state. So, yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy to hear. Do you, do you grow anything yourself? Do you have a, a garden or anything like that?
0: Uh, we don't, but we're on the verge of moving. So, a place we're actually, uh, got remove us coming next thursday so we're moving literally five minutes around the corner i mean we live eight minutes from the beach now the place we're going to is three minutes from the beach we thought we didn't live close enough so uh (laughs) so we got a beautiful view of the ocean but the people have a garden there and they've planted some herbs and they've got lemon trees and that in there so yeah so we might actually leverage that and start to grow a bit more of our own food as well so that'd be good
1: that's that's something that i kind of took notice of whenever covid hit and there was some shortages of food and other random stuff at the grocery stores, I was like, I don't like the feeling of relying on Mm. supply chains and grocery stores and stuff for food. So I've, I've looked into a lot of stuff for sustainability and growing things at home and stuff like that. So, uh, definitely think that's a good way to go, especially if those floods that that's probably going to cause some type of issue for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've got close friends. They run a uh, company out back, off the back of COVID because he lost his job, and it's um, coincidentally between them and the neighbour, they had to replace their fence. and And in the end, they said, "Hey, are, are you happy if we replace it with fruit trees and you know garden like veggie garden all that sort of stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So, rather than putting up a fence between themselves, they actually put this massive fruit and vegetable garden between where both houses could actually just go and share the produce. And off of the back of that, they've now created a company called the Edible Fence. And they're nice. promoting the fact about hey, rather than get your fence replaced, why don't you talk to you about your neighbor and we'll come in and help design your garden and help actually get the sustainability within neighborhoods. So, back to that community sharing of you know a, a shared garden and you can actually talk to your neighbor again and everything else so yeah so it's a really great concept and uh they're starting they starting to take off they're going really well because it's all organic and you know seasonal fruit and vegetables that are growing so it's a great idea
1: yeah i'm actually taking a class right now uh, it's being taught by an australian uh jeff lawton uh he's okay. he's a permaculture teacher he teaches permaculture And um, that's a big part of what he teaches because he talks about how if communities were designed in a way that water flowed properly, reduce the impacts of flooding, you had community farms or at least more people within a community were growing fruits and vegetables that people could use. When stuff like this happens, it doesn't matter if the grocery store is short, you can go to your neighbor's yard or your yard and and pick something up yeah. so uh i love that concept
0: and, and you also know how it's grown what it's grown in what sprays or non-sprays have gone on to it yep. you know exactly you know and yep. and, and and you know before we get too deep but for energetically like you're putting your love into that garden that plant and so you know it's returning you so whatever energy you're putting in it you don't know what's happening in the farms and and everything else and so yeah it's just a it's a nice way to have a really that grounded connection with directly because you've grown it so yeah the place we're moving to there, there seems to be a, a few areas where they haven't actually planted anything so it's a good chance we might get in and play around with that which would be good
1: nice what have you been up to in the past couple of months? And then you said you were taking a break from the podcast um mm. until like the start of next year. What, what have you been doing?
0: So I've actually uh been building the new program. So it's been fun. So that's now up and alive and, and launched. So it's a uh you know, it's an eight week program, but there's six weeks worth of content that sort of takes people on a journey from where they are and you know, help them understand how to build a five year plan that's a slight different. Yeah, you know building a plan it's helping people to build it from the five senses so when you do visualization you know, learn to smell it and taste it and feel it and hear it and see it so you sort of get yourself in that really happy place and then you sort of build your plan off that and then we talk through what ego is and and then we go through stress and coping mechanisms so everything sort of the first half of it is about well who i am and why i am today and how i got to be the human that I am today with all my conditioning and all my belief systems and everything and why I'm stressed out and why I'm living in fight and flight every day of my life and you know I'm always on hyper vigilant so we get to that and then then the second half is about okay this is how you can now actually start to move forward with your life and we start to talk about how to go about setting boundaries and um, yeah and just move through a whole lot of other modules and how to bring fun back in your life and how to learn to you know I think one of the modules is like play like a child and you know um and 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 specifically um there's this lady from the u.s that i met her name is Jeannie hubbard and um she's an african-american woman and so she she calls it uh as opposed to naked dancing but naked dancing and i love it like it's just that that slang (laughs) that goes into so there's a bit of a module about learning to dance naked in front of you know while you're in the shower in front of the mirror so it's just learning to to get back in that world of self-love and then so it's really that whole I can I understand who I am? How can I go from you know less judgment, more inquiry, and start to you know move through? And then there, there is a, a whole module about universal consciousness, how the universal laws work, how energetic healing works, and how we're basically we're just we are just all vibrational, energetic beings. You know, everywhere, plants, food, animals, rocks—we're all connected. And it's like once we can yeah. tap back into that, and so it's trying to move them from who I am maybe not that happy struggling with my life too. How can I just get to a point of, you know, realizing that I can have happiness and I can be a bit more present and I can be a bit more connected. So yeah, so it's been fun. Um, But it's, you know, there's 40 odd modules, 20 minutes per module. So that's, you know, writing it up, scripting it up, recording it, producing it. So yeah, so that's pretty much what the last couple of months has been. i um, got okay, a couple sweet. of clients running through this new program now, which is awesome. So I do Congrats. a weekly call with them. And yeah, so it's, it's been uh, a lot of fun. I've actually really enjoyed it. So
1: that sounds great. I definitely think that we'll be doing something like that eventually. Uh, and content like that is is so important because Tyler and I were talking the other day and I feel like schools don't teach the right stuff anymore like they just, they really don't and having that just out there that anybody can access is super helpful and that's going to help a lot of people man that's awesome
0: yeah and, and the whole intent was you know i suppose i i've come to a realization and awakening and i've got this journey for myself and it's like well I just want to share that because I know where my life was, you know, and we spoke a bit about it in the last podcast and everything else and where my life now is. And, you know, even to that whole, you know, calling in or manifesting, you know, I know we have spoken in the last podcast, but I wrote a letter to myself. And then two years later, exactly the same thing happened. I moved and I lived by the beach and the universe just moved all this stuff out of the way and changed my jobs and roles and said, yeah, okay, we're going to create space. If you want to move down the beach, off you go. And so these little things and now we're moving closer to the beach type of thing with a view from the kitchen out, out over the water and just little subtle things just keep popping up, you know. And um, so it's just nice and it's good to I suppose feel the practical side of the you know what you know theoretically, but you see it coming into action and play, and you can go back and say, "Yeah, I'm a living proof of of what's happening in that space." So, that's that's good fun.
1: That's awesome.
2: What yeah, about yourselves?
0: The- Sorry, Tyler. You
2: no, you're, no, you're good. I was just going to comment on the the I was looking at your program outline the the different weeks, and I just I really like how you organized it, <clears throat> where it's kind of the evaluating you know, where you're at. And then what is shaped, the reasoning, where you're at, where you're at, and then a few things to add in to start breaking those things down. And then it's the buildup, right? It's not the, you don't come right out of the gate with, this is why you're wrong. This is why you're where you're at. This is why everything's terrible and stop doing this, stop doing that. Because that would be really easy. But yeah. um, I, I just, I was just looking at that. I, I like how you laid that out, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to j- jump on your question. No, no, no.
0: And I appreciate that because one of the guys that's going through the program um, is actually an Aboriginal guy as well, which is really good because there's a lot of – I've pulled from a lot of that stuff as well. So I'm actually being able to connect back in with him. And it was funny. He was sort of saying, hey, I've got through week one and and I've got all these questions. And then all of a sudden week two opens up and I can see you've got all the answers. So and he's like (laughs) – he's the same because the way the program works, you can't just jump into like week six. You, you know, for when you start, you get uh, week one opens up to you, and you just have to do that. And then once you finish week one, then you know week two will kick in type of thing. And so yeah, and he was he was giving the exact feedback because like, ah, oh, cool. So yeah, I can focus <laughs> on this week because I know that you know the answers are gonna come along. But um no, my question was gonna be Tyler last time we nope. your 30 30 day I'm not sure he's frozen up on us, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then your, then your 30 day um non-drinking and and we're talking about that how'd
2: that go uh it was it was good it only lasted those 30 days and then you know played back in a little bit but um you know recently so done another now i'm 45 days um afterwards because you know i had had a few few other moments where it's like all right this just really doesn't make sense to continue learning and then stopping and starting and this and because it's all is just terrible at the end of the day so um it's uh it's been it's been nice the last 45 or so days here i think since since we got back from new york um what was that mid-september so maybe not 45 days maybe a little a little more than 30 but no it was it was it was cool um you know you learned a lot of a lot of stuff. I think the biggest thing is just the the general feeling, right, of just not understanding what your new baseline is after you, know, you consume or drink whatever for a very long period of time. And you don't realize that your baseline is feeling like ass, <laughs> even though you don't, you don't realize it. And then when you remove that or you know, yeah. remove something from your diet or whatever the situation is, and you uh, see a new baseline pop up. It's like, wow, that's yeah. interesting.
0: <laughs> how, so, how'd you how you go from a like because one of the challenges is said you did your three days and then you came off and you, you played at a baseline and what, often the thing that we do is we then judge ourselves because like oh, I'm back on it again and you know like how did you go? Did you have any? Sorry, it's not meant to be me interviewing you guys, but I'm just really intrigued as to how you went like with the uh, internal chatter and everything else about that because as you said you're back on to, you know 30 or 40 odd days again. So
2: yeah. So the uh the initial experiment was just evaluating kind of the relationship with it like all right because I've always been somebody that I don't really go out and have a beer or two with somebody. It's like there's a purpose behind drinking alcohol and that's mm. to drink enough to where whatever it is <laughs> that you're dealing with goes away for at least the first you know few hours. Um and so just understanding that relationship a little bit better and feeling like things were good and, and under control and and whatnot and getting better in that in that uh progression and then feeling fine after the 30 days, like, all right, cool, like I'm gonna reevaluate these things and got into some other old bad habits and then you kind of have a I don't know that tipping points the right phrase, but a a point to where it's like you experience something that is kind of something that you never wanted to experience so i just since your since your podcast is about vulnerability and you know pulling stuff out of people i'll i'll share it with you so we had it was my sister-in-law's um birthday party or whatever so i brought brought our boys over to my in-laws house and yeah everybody's partying, having fun, whatnot, uh, nothing, nothing too crazy, but <clears throat> then get back home, hanging out a little bit because my wife was working, put the boys to bed, started playing video games like I normally do, continued to consume a little bit, and then basically woke up like five hours later or something and couldn't remember if I had put my kids to bed. Right. And I was like, I freaked out. I like looked at the monitor. Thankfully, CJ was asleep. And then like, I just kind of started playing like a movie in my head. Like, okay, did I actually put him to bed or did he just walk up there and get under the covers by himself because dad's passed out on the couch? Mm. And I'm like that. That's not that's not cool. Um and so that was however many days ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Since since then, because it's that uh that's not something that I want anybody to experience. <laughs> yeah.
0: It, it. um but it's amazing how many how we have those pivotal moments. I mean, I know I had mine, um, mm-hmm. you know, and if you've ever read Michael J. Fox's book, I and he was the inspiration for me to give up drinking actually because he had a similar pivotal moment. Like mm-hmm. just end up passing out on the couch after drinking so much. Like he was a massive alcoholic and, um, yeah. And for me, it was like, oh, hey, well, if Michael J Fox can do it, like, you yeah, know, I can actually do it because, you know, I grew up when he was, you know, King King on television. And, um, but yeah, there's all these little pivotal moments that sort of come in, but yeah, nice realization though.
2: Yeah, it was, it was cool. Uh, I, well, it wasn't cool. It was cool to, you know, come out the other side of it, I guess but i think the the biggest issue that i had had for you know a while now is i never like felt that it was a big problem because that would only happen to me like twice a year or mm-hmm. three times a year you know it wasn't a daily or three times a week or both nights on the weekend kind of thing but it's just those three times a year I ended up mm-hmm not being the best three nights of the year (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. and
2: you know for how for so many people all it takes is one night of doing something stupid and the rest of their life is either gone or done or they've just absolutely shattered whatever else and thankfully you know i didn't experience that but um yeah so it was that was interesting i'm glad glad you asked that
0: no no and look, th- thanks for sharing because i, I was interested in how you're going you knowing coming back on here um i know my journey was i mean five years after i gave up drinking i had a session with a psychiatrist psychologist that was part of a leadership course and mm. i just sort of said hey if i'm drinking cranberry and all this sort of stuff how do i stop people asking me the question why don't i drink and you know how do i say that you know i'm then i'm an alcoholic he goes well you are you know you are no different to the bum on the park bench with the brown paper bag you've just got a different realization of what they have and like slap me in the face and mm-hmm. and it'll just just realize that you know yeah it's that whole we often see you know the you know what an alcoholic is how they're portrayed on movies or how they're portrayed in in the media or everything else but it's not that we're an alcoholic, but every now and then we just have this massive big, you know, binge and we can't remember anything and it's frightening. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's it's just how we how we realign our relationship with that and go, yeah, is that serving me or is it not serving me? And it's not a judgment thing. It's just like, is this what I want? Part of it. And I was the same. I think I said on your podcast last time, yeah, you know, there's a photo of my kids, one at the age of two and one at the age of five, both with an alcohol drink bottle in each in the hand and i'm like hey proud dad and i'm like oh that's yeah so i keep that photo because that's like that's not a proud dad moment yeah because i don't want that you know that's that was me projecting you know if they're really happy with it then that makes me satisfied with what i'm doing so yeah i i really hear you and um yeah thanks for sharing man
2: sure not a problem yeah. i mean it's 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 an interesting you know i feel like we could just talk about it for hours on end mm. and i mean the Reasons why, reasons not to, you know, uh, anything that comes out of it. But for for sake of not stealing the next hour of just talking about alcohol, (laughs) um, I think there's its place. And I think the last thing I'll kind of share about it is just uh, and tying into your week two on your program of belief systems. I actually had a really interesting conversation with a buddy uh, last week, actually where we were, we're playing, played nine holes of golf. And typically we'd always go to the clubhouse, grab a few beers afterwards, and then, you know, be on our way, chat about Mm. decompress after the round kind of thing. And so he walks up, he's like, Oh, what what are you drinking? I was like, Oh, I don't know if they have any of the, there's a brewery close by here that makes really good alcohol-free beers, like real and low carb, low calorie. It's phenomenal. Um, and he's like, wait, what do you, you don't drink anymore saying the kind of sarcastic. I was like, you know what? Not, not really haven't in a little while. And he's like, well, that's, he didn't say like that was silly and he's a good friend of mine. So it's, it's not like throwing me out the window kind of deal. But I just, I try to impress on him. The fact I was like, all right, so why do you, why do you enjoy having a drink after playing golf? And he's like, well, cause my dad always did. i play a lot of golf with my dad and do it. I see other people around having a good time, having a beer too after the round. And it's not like we're throwing or we would throw down a 12 pack, right? It's just mm. one or two and go home. But, and I was like, okay, so just because you were always around, you visually saw people having enjoyment out of this that makes you think, okay, if I have this, I will enjoy it too. He's like, well, that makes sense. I was like, okay, so what if they, everyone that you saw or your dad was drinking half iced tea, half lemonade, as like that was the after golf drink, and everybody was having a great time, enjoyed it, whatever. Would you drink that or would you just pick up a a beer? He's like, well, thinking about it that way, uh, you know, we're attracted to, wanting what other people have i mean if you look at all of the advertisements on tv everyone's having the best time of their life with whatever <laughs> yeah. if it's a pack of gum or new toothpaste like it's we're we're attracted to ha- having what other people have that makes them happy and mm. explaining that to him he was like okay so it's just a belief that i have that alcohol gives me joy and i was like exactly i don't have that belief anymore <laughs> So awesome. And he's like, that's like, I'm glad you said it to be that way because he has some other friends that uh, don't drink anymore either. And uh, he just they all just kind of shove it under the rug. It's like, oh, not today or uh, Mm -hmm. I don't do this. And I mean, more power to him for still saying no. Right. But uh, I think like what you were saying is being able to express why or share why without having to every single time. Be like oh this is what i went through this is what i ran into because that's just nobody nobody wants to do that i certainly don't want to do that
0: hmm. yeah yeah and, and for me it's just like i just said put it just doesn't add value to my life yeah it's just a simple thing it just doesn't add value to my life I'm much a bad, simpler any, yeah anything i'm bringing in is just like is it a value add or a value detract and, and like that's where i simplify things down so you know um it's just like is this where's this on the scale now don't Get me wrong, I'm still going to eat pizzas and I, I still have stuff, I, but I'm consciously aware that at that point in time when having it, it may not be the thing that's truly adding, but at least I'm more, I've, I've got this level of awareness of where those boundaries sit and mm-hmm. we can make choice. Um, it was funny when you, when you were talking that there, there's an ad I don't know whether you guys got in the US, but they certainly have I mean, in Australia, um, Canadian club, they're trying to you know promote Canadian club, and there's this really big, you know, burly <laughs> rugby guy sort of thing, and he's it, it like. I don't like beer anymore. And they're like, what do you mean? How can you not like a beer? And all of a sudden, like all of a sudden people go, but heck, how could this guy not like beer? And then, but they don't stop him drinking. They actually get him on to Canadian club. Like, would you yeah. swap alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole thing of someone bravely saying, I've never liked beer. Well, that's because of my dad had it, but you know, I've never liked it, but now I'm going to swap my alcohol as opposed mm-hmm. to just saying, I'm not going to have it anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. It was interesting when you spoke about earlier, um, was you talked about like that, you know, I have a couple of years to maybe get to enough or I've I've avoided whatever that emotion was. And and that's the other thing mm-hmm. that I language a little bit more is it's about emotional distraction. I don't use the word addiction anymore for me, because there is there's so many variations of addiction. We're so used to society talking about drugs and alcohol. You know, but there's just so many other things like you know working 14-hour days and a shopaholic and you know social media. So like, there are so many other emotional distractors. So something pops up and I go, "Cool, what's my go-to?" Right, I'm going to go on online shopping. I'm going to go real estate. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to look at all these real estate houses. I'm going to try and move myself from my current state across into a state that I made that may actually bring me happiness joy. and joy. And and probably the mainstream ones we see are alcohol and drugs. But then you know the the slightly hidden one then is point you know pornography Everyone and you know, know a lot of, you know high percent of people do it, but they don't talk about that one but then there's all these other little things that we just we do in our lives that we just go how am I going to distract myself? I'm going to watch three episodes of a Netflix I'm going to binge over here and so for me I, I look at what is what am I trying to, to what what emotion am I trying to distract myself from at this point in time? you know, am I willing to sit with it or am I actually trying to find something to distract myself from it? Now at times I was talking to a guy the other day and he's like, I do come from work to, to work because I got my parents are divorced. My wife's parents are divorced. There's a lot of stuff going in their houses and then there's grandkids and, you know, and there's you know stuff happening at home and you've know, got three young kids. So it's actually good to come to work because I can actually not have to deal with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fine. It's cool. I, I get that because we've all in that situation at times. But at some point, as long as you're not suppressing all that and then just becoming totally stoic and totally I'm not going to deal with any emotion, then that's when it starts to, you know, you have a few challenges. But, yeah, that's sort of where I suppose my languaging and my mindset's starting to move towards, um, but less of that labelling about, you know, I was an alcoholic or I was addicted to alcohol and everything else. So I just now realise that there's just a whole lot of emotional stuff I just didn't want to deal with. So I found something to distract myself, you know, um. Even sports, you know, go off and run a marathon. Go and do all these other sorts of things, like go and train hard. You know, hit the gym for four hours a day. You know, what 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 are you doing to to, to try to do that? So yeah, that was in the sorry, just off the back of you know what you were saying there. So,
1: well, I love your question about the adding value because I feel like people should ask that more often, not just with things like alcohol or drugs if they're if they are addicted or they're trying to get off, but turning on a TV show or going to a party or whatever, whatever it is that they're doing in their free time. I love that question of, is this adding value? And that answer is going to be different for everybody. Some people may see value add value added in going to a party because maybe that's where they're going to network with people. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. a part of a party industry. And so they need to go and talk to people. They may not drink, but like going to a party may add value. So like, but asking, asking that question in every aspect of life is a great way to see and really self-reflect on what you're doing. And if it's something that you wanna continue doing, because like a lot of times, especially if it is something bad for your health long-term, I would hope that people would realize that it's <laughs> not a value add. So yeah, I love that question.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll give a really good example. I spoke with a potential client during the week, 26-year-old female, um, admitted that she just consumed three pies on that day, um, was lighting up smokes while we were having a conversation. And, And it was interesting because, you know, we're just talking about where she's at, you know, personally and professionally and financially, and she's struggling, but she's spending $600 a fortnight on smokes. And, and so, sort of like, so I just sort of said to her, look, here's a little simple thing to go and do. Just spend the next two weeks, just write everything down, what you eat, what you drink, what you smoke, like just write it all down, what you're doing and and just have a two columns and just tick a box. Did this value, add value or did this take value away from me? Like, is this adding value to my health or is it taking my, and just do it, just do an inventory. Don't change anything. Cause a lot of stuff that we do, you read all your self-help books and everything else. And um, you know, and, and you're saying, Tyler, oh, like, that's similar to my program. It's not like, hey, day one, you need to go and immediately change and become this other person. It's, it's actually <laughs> about just doing inventory. Just understand where you're at. Like, you know, one of the guys in my program is like, I want, you know, his eight-week commitment was I want to start to reduce drinking. I said, cool, the first thing you need to do is just understand not, not how often you drink, but again, go and have the drink. But just think about what was I feeling just before I chose to go and have the drink? And just write that down in your journal. Then go and have a drink. I don't care. Go and have your drink. That's fine. Like, mm-hmm. but just start to get that inventory, and that's what we often need to do. Is just spend a few months and whatever happens to be as we're going through this journey of what was it that came up that, that said, let me just pivot to the right, or you know, and that's whole value add versus value detract. Because again, once we start to bring it to our conscious, all it's doing is bringing it from the subconscious to the conscious. It's it's going from unmet something we're not measuring to something we're measuring. And once you start to measure it or you become aware of it, you you actually become empowered to make a decision about it. And, and that's the key thing. It's like we feel we're, we're so um disempowered or unempowered to make decisions. It's just because we're not capturing down all those little moments and just becoming aware of them. And so, yeah, so that's that whole, you know, that's what I often sit there like this week. I had to go up to Sydney. So I'm in Victoria and went up to Sydney for work and I was really frustrated. Like I had a day in a meeting room with 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 my boss and she, she goes, "Well, you're pretty frustrated. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the stuff that isn't having. But I, I sat back and go, right, what was it? Like what is happening in my world and what am I bringing in? And was I part creating that frustration? Am I creating this environment? Do I need her to be the villain in my story? So my ego can kick in and become and be the hero know like am i trying to you know cr- set her up to be you know not being effective and not being efficient and therefore she's a villain in front of other people and now i go oh riding in my white horse and say i can save the day <laughs> what part of my personality and ego is still kicking in that's actually creating those environments and so again it was just like yeah you know, and did that add any value like me being frustrated did that add any value to what we wanted to get out of and so um you know it's, it's an interesting thing. you just got to be careful that you don't spend all your life in analytics space and then forget to actually just enjoy life and have fun you know and, and understand where you're at but yeah that was just some interesting stuff that popped up for me in in that same week as you know, as an example of that
1: something that uh popped up this week for me i want to tell you what it is and then i'll ask you a question at the end so uh, i actually did a, a thought load on the on this this week uh we did a, a spartan race this this past week i don't know if that's all the way in Australia yet. But, um, so we did that this week and I definitely did not train or (laughs) feel good (laughs) afterwards. I feel like uh, i missed out on a lot of stuff. And I saw a, a David Goggins video that he posted on social media. And he talked about how we need to lean into fear to make change and become a better person. And sometimes set goals that we think that are not attainable because when we get a little scared that we may not achieve them, we're going to try our best to figure out actually how to do it. And that's where that whole like shoot for the stars or shoot for the moon, you'll end up in the stars type thing. Like if you set a really high goal, you're probably going to make some progress even if you don't get there. Um, so how do, how do, can we get more people to lean into fear? Like you you said, the the lady in your program was spending $600 on smokes. I know people that spend too much money, but they're afraid to look at their budget. They're afraid to look at their credit card bills because they're, I don't know, worried about what they're going to see. But if they leaned in a little bit and said, you know what, I'm, a, I'm afraid right now, but I'm going to look at this so I can make the changes I need to improve my life. How do we get more people to do that?
0: uh, uh <laughs> that's a great question i think if we actually knew the answer to that we'd actually all be living in mansions beside the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was just about time to, time say to say that <laughs>
1: if we if we do that if we figure yeah. that out let's write a book yeah. make millions yeah. let's go
0: it's interesting. I was um there's a guy my name of Dane here. So D A I N H W E R, And um he's he's got this thing called Access Consciousness. And I was looking at a um a YouTube video that he's he spoke in a little bit about this, and you know, you talk about the budget, he talked about weight, you know. So you jump on the scales and you you know, you're 135 pounds. And so, you know, I don't know whether that's large or not. I try to do my math, so maybe 180 pounds, right? And you're five foot six, which probably wouldn't be a great ratio. Um, And you go and you get really upset. The fact is you can't change your weight, right? So you're trying to control the uncontrollable. And so so what people do is they see fear as something that they can't control because they're measuring potentially the uncontrollable. So I think it's a bit about how do people start to understand that um, there are things that they can control. And some of those things they can control become... Not as fearful, but they're also the catalyst for change, um, and and so we want to move into that space. The other one is e- ego. Uh, ego actually, our ego loves drama and chaos, whether we like it or not. Our ego actually likes drama and chaos, and from a I suppose a psychology point of view, our brains are already geared to negative bias, and the reason for that is that you know. We we've got to understand we're now living in a world that's had thirty odd years of social media. But as human beings, we've been evolving for hundreds of thousands of years, right? And so millions of years, right? So what we're trying to do is is our, our brains are negative geared because we we're still geared to the fact that tooth tiger, you know, that thing that's going to kill us is actually still out there. So we we often because of that, you know we're always looking for these things, but because our ego actually likes the drama and it likes the chaos, our ego doesn't like change. So it's always going to find an excuse and it's always going to find a calling and it's always going to bring something in um, that actually enables us to maintain this this victim state. And so as much as that's uncomfortable and as much as we don't enjoy being the victim or we don't enjoy having these things happening to us or not having enough money or not having, you know, the right level of fitness or health, we will always keep calling that in anyway, because that's what our ego wants us to do. So the key is how do we move out and understand the role that our ego is playing in our life? How do we understand what that looks like and then start to witness that and then move our way through it? You know, so, to get people to do that, I, I, I think that's the million dollar question. You know, yeah. that's where some people like, you know, David Goggins is like, yeah, go hard, and you know, the the, the whole thing about that. Like, I, um, there are people who are successful on that, and and I think it's been about, um, if, if you look at storytelling, you look at all movies and all books, you know, that sort of have the same you know, character um they're going on a journey they be the guide the guide helps them where they want to go and then they've got two outcomes you know the, the the happy outcome or if i don't do something the bad outcome Yeah. so it's sort of like you know this this girl that you know that i was speaking to you know she's like oh yeah thanks for all that and everything else so i just sent her a text during the week to say hey look by the way i'm happy to play around with the money side to help you out you know you know you doing work on you is going to help you you smoking's is going to kill you it's your choice yeah, like, did quite cake too. I think it's, I think it's going to be detrimental to your health. It's sort of like you have a choice here, you know. So, so it's up to you. But if you think you want to continue down this path of, okay, I'm going to continue to smoke and I'm going to have all these health issues, then that's just a big ego attachment saying I don't deserve to anything better, you know. And then that's where the self worth and self love kicks in, which doubles all the way back into what's that childhood trauma that we had as kids. Right that actually made us feel not worthy, you know, simple things that our parents would say to us all the time, you know, sit down, shut up, you know, don't be silly. You know, that was a stupid thing to do. Why would it, you know, I, I know I say all that to my, I said all that to my kids as well. And I'm saying now I have this realization that, you know, saying things of don't be silly, don't be stupid, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You know, all these things. is just driving all these limiting beliefs back into them. And it's actually, but it's detracting from their self-worth because then they go, well, I'm just silly. I'm not. I'm not that important. You know, I'm not that educated. Um I'm not sure. I think, uh yeah, Nico, you spoke about the education system, right? <laughs> yeah, we have grades, right? I think you have guys. Is it SRTs? Like they call it to get into university or uh- whatever. The-
1: yeah, the ACT and the SAT.
0: Yeah, SATs, right? So this is all about I have to achieve to a certain level to get into a certain level, and then and then your universities ranked, right? Stanford versus you know yep. your local public system and all this. <laughs> so our whole society is geared around ranking systems. So if someone comes out of you know high school and they're a C grade student. Society's already benchmarked them to go. oh, cool. Enjoy your job as a mechanic, or enjoy your job over here. Now, some of the mechanics are the most intelligent, smart. You know, they business also make a orange, lot of money.
2: Then. Yeah, like
0: yeah. So, so we have this whole <laughs> ranking system that we operate, right? And so, so where our belief system runs with it. So, how do we get people to step more into the fear? They probably don't know that they're living in in it. They're living actually in this world of comfort. Yes. That this is because they've been taught this is all you are going to have. So if you if you are of this color skin growing up in this neighborhood and you have this um, demographic and, you know, um, and this is all the money you're going to have, this is all you're ever going to be. Society said that to you. And then I believe it, yeah. And so I go along and I become, you know, middle tier and I achieve this role and I get to that. And all of a sudden my parents aren't, you know, $80,000 a year and I'm earning $120,000 a year. And I go, oh, see, doing better than my parents. But we've got this really, <laughs> because we're comparing 80, we're like, this person could be a billionaire. But they've actually mm-hmm. benchmarked themselves back. So they don't know to stretch themselves into, I could actually be that. They have this upper limiting belief system. Um, there's a book, uh, Gay Hendricks. I'm just actually reading some books that Gay Hendricks has got, and it talks about this upper limiting um belief system that even successful CEOs has. He's already talking to the CEO of Dell. And the CEO of Dell already had already benchmarked how far he thought he could take Dell until they realized wow. that he himself had actually set some upper upper limiting belief systems about how big the organization and how that could work. And so how do we constantly take that ceiling off? But someone has to help us be aware that we've actually got that ceiling. Um and, but- and I think Tyler, you you know just you, you've you done that with your friend, right? You did that with a, why do you drink? That's the question. Like, why do you do this? And so to a degree, us being in more inquiry mode, you know, why do you think you can only earn $120,000? Why do you think you can only be a waiter at, at, at a restaurant? And if you love that and that's your passion and that's your life service, then go for it. Like, if, if that gives you joy every single day, smash the daylights out of, of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not here to hierarchy jobs. Like, every job is, is of service and we provide it. It's just more about if you're complaining, that you know i'm only a way i'm only this or i'm only doing this job or i'm doing that it's like well you're setting your own limiting belief system and so therefore and you why wouldn't you try something else and that's where the fear comes in well i'm not going to be good enough i'm not going to be worthy enough and that yeah and that's where people can help work on themselves yeah
1: i love that comment about how people don't realize that they're living in fear and it's Mm -hmm. it's all about the surroundings that they grew up in or the s- social circles that they're a part of. And I, that, that is a great realization. I I wish everyone could listen to that and tell that to everybody. And it also made me think of uh, a comment that I heard from, uh, I think it's from uh, one of Brene Brown's books. And she says that when we compare, we disappear. And so to your point, Whenever someone is comparing themselves to their parents or to other people in their industry, they're disappearing. They're getting lost in the mix. We're all amazing, unique individuals that need to let our passion shine through. And we can't compare ourselves to anyone when we're doing so. And so, or else we will disappear because we're going to get lost in that mix. Um, And that's to your point, that's part of the problem of the education system and all the tears they've created with that
0: none of us would run a podcast and we just keep looking at joe rogan (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) we sat there and go like is joe rogan like you know millions of downloads every day like none of us would step in and say why why am i going to put these time and effort into hosting a podcast you know but but we do it because you know there is this audience that we have and it's a passion and we love to do you know, just having conversations and then sharing that out with people. And so that that's the key. So for me, the two killers are k- comparison and competition. And we're bored up with that from day one. As soon as we're born, we're competing with our siblings. We're, we're competing in school. We're competing in work. We're competing in sports. And, and competition brings comparison. You know, so it's that whole, I came third, competition wise right. and therefore you know am i not going to be as good as that person and and, and am i limiting this belief about you know where things come out and, and it's a real it's a great challenge for, for people to work their way through but people want to be comfortable our ego just wants to sit in comfort we we want to wrap ourselves around in these little blankets you know and and i think we spoke on, on and i think we spoke about comfort last time how you know, as I said, you know it's getting a bit chilly where you are, so you've whacked on your hoodie and you've probably turned the heater up and and everything else like you know <laughs> are we gotta you know, where do we sit in this this slight level of discomfort, um because yeah, discomfort we can only grow if if we're living in discomfort, but but the people have to be willing to grow, they have to make that first choice, and how do we make that first choice? We turn around and say things like you know we can leverage what we don't like, which is like. Right, so you want to you want to turn out like your parents. Yeah, you know, no one wants to really turn out like their parents, but you're gonna say that, right? So they say so it's a trigger point for people going, no, wait, I want to turn out like my mom and dad. Well, you're about to, you know, and they go, no, I'm not nothing like my parents. Okay, cool. Have a look about how you how you parent your kids and have a think about how you're parented, honestly. And then mm-hmm. as I always said, I'd never, I never would never want to be a parent like my dad. And I was exactly parented like my dad. <laughs> yeah you know, we say it but then we go back and we look at the actions we did and you know we we ruled by a level of fear you know we ruled by a, a level of threat you know you won't get this unless you do this and we have all these languaging things which is my dad always had a strap in his drawer he never used it he's like do i need to get that out you know and you hear this whole thing you know go and get me a belt why well, i don't want to get your belt because you know and so you know, and that's what happened to us but we don't know any different when we get to that point of I don't know how to control this situation anymore. I'm going to revert back to my belief system. My belief system is how my parents brought me up and how my grandparents brought me up or how my auntie uncles did. So because I don't know what to do there. So I'm just going to go back to what is the, that mechanism that, that taught me to come from that point. So yeah, um, but living in is, it's, it's it's challenging, but it's fun. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's where all the <laughs> growth happens.
0: Yeah. So what are you doing at the moment that's pushing you into the, I mean, you did the Spartan um, with no training. There's a lot of fears got to come with training. You're the Spartan with no training.
1: I, well,
2: so I have, um, I think, <laughs> uh, shut up. Uh, the uh, only thing I'll say before you start <laughs> is I think we were, <clears throat> we well, maybe not so much me, but maybe more so Nico, we're kind of put into this bubble of, we thought we were going to be awesome because (laughs) when we did the Tough mutter last year for the first time, terrified, extremely scared, had no idea what to expect, didn't really train a whole lot. And like we blew our expectations out of the water. Like we just, I mean, we didn't destroy it in terms of competition times or whatever, but just as a personal achievement destroyed it. So we rolled in to this one extremely confident, extremely comfortable. We're going to be totally fine. And that didn't happen. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, because of that,
1: I think I realized that all of the stories that I've been telling myself about how athletically capable I am and how many athletic achievements I've had, those stories are long gone. Those, Those stories are not today. And like, Yes, I've done some awesome things athletically. My body is an amazing gift, but that's that's not what it is right now. And and that race was it proved that real hard. <laughs> so so uh, definitely definitely making it more of a focus to get in better shape, run more often, um, stretch every day, uh, do some lightweight training. I have this, I probably should speak to a counselor about this. Cause I, uh, I worked out, so I played football from seventh grade all the way through my freshman year of college. And that basically means like workouts all the time year, year round almost. Um, and I think because of that, I have some sort of like mini PTSD when it comes to like going to <laughs> gyms. And so like, I, I really can't, I have a hard time going to gyms and like really pushing myself because I have this like voice in my head that's like my coaches are yelling at me at some point it's <laughs> it's it's bad. I need to work on that, but i can I can definitely like I have some weights here I can lift those and throw those around a little bit um during the day or in a short session and I think that if I do that consistently over time, will help get me to where I want to be and I think I also have to realize that. I'm trying to build a body for a different purpose. When I, was, mm. when I was playing football, the idea was to get big, strong, and explosive. Now I'm trying to fine tune my body for golf and just health. And so like, I don't need to be a bodybuilder to play golf. Mm. Uh, and so just understanding that and, and making the plan to, to do that is, is what I'm doing with health
2: after after that race,
0: <laughs> well, it was funny because uh, Tyler, you spoke about four about you know setting a new baseline. Right, so you did tough mother, and, and all of a sudden this baseline's gone. Okay, I've got this new baseline. <laughs> and all of a sudden yep. it's like hello, we, we, we didn't quite didn't quite uh, achieve it. I mean, I had a and my uh, my birthday was last weekend, so we had a few people over, which is a really good experience. And then on the Sunday, happy a, yeah, happy. Belated. Thank you very much. um uh, there's a bit of a story on that i'll get maybe come back to um but the on the sunday I'm like i need to have a bit about just to let it all out so i said to my wife well, let's go for a walk and we like i think all our walking is from you know study to kitchen kitchen to study right we just haven't done much so we ended up walking equivalent of like 10 kilometers so i think you know that's um eight kilometers is five mile so you know maybe a six mile walk and so you're gone for nothing so we got back to the main street and and local supermarket and we were shot like absolutely (laughs) gone we had to go in and buy juice and bananas just to sit down and ring our daughter and like we're literally only another 10 minutes from home we're like can you come and pick us up like we're gone (laughs) so it's a really good realization of um you know, just yeah we're we're i'm the same like i've run marathons i've done lots of running and lots of fitness work and you just you still feel that you feel okay, but then when you try to actually go and replicate that without working back up to the end, yeah, the baseline was shot. So I think we're back to doing some 2 to 5K walks just to uh, ease our way back into this book. But just on my birthday thing, and, and I think, you know, this is for other people, it's more about I've never celebrated my birthday. So it's always something that – and it's because I was never willing to receive. And so it's, it's something for people to think about, about how, how much am I a giver? But how much as part of that, am I actually willing to receive? And so I, do, I deliberately said I'm going to celebrate my birthday and I'm actually going to invite people over because I want to learn how to receive this group of friends coming over and actually celebrating me for who I am. You know, and so it's something for us to often, we go, oh, like, it's okay, it's just my birthday sort of thing. And we shun it away and everything else. And that's because, or if someone says, you know, hey, great job on the Tough Mudder or great job on the and Then we go, oh, no, you know, we, we come up with all these other, you know, negative items or we try to, you know, dispel it sort of thing. Whereas we should just go, yeah, thanks for that. And so it was me learning how can i receive how can i receive the love on the day how can i you know how can i have all these people come into my house and also said, yeah and i want a present which is the other thing we do your presence is present enough type of thing you know like that's sort the of thing it's like no no, because what I, the other thing i realized is that if i don't if i ask not to have presence i'm taking away your ability to give and so it's not my right for you to go, oh, but I really wanted to do something special for you. So in, in, i got to learn to receive, but I've also got to allow you to, to be able to have that opportunity to give and make that choice. And so that's just want to put out there to say, you know, this is, this is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm actually looking for donations. So I actually want to buy, get a nine-foot longboard to actually head out in the surf. Cool. Nice. I'm like, yeah, well, like, it's going to be a really cool route. I live down the beach. I might as well have a longboard. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, so like I just sort of said, hey, if you want to do that, this is what the opportunity is. So that was my thing about that birthday was about, you know, learning to be able to receive. But at the same time, I cooked all the food because on, on the flip side, I wanted to be of service and actually provide and, and sort of, you know, that whole. So I'm not I'm not religious, but I still go to the the, you know, the Last Supper where you know Jesus washed the feet. From a symbolic point of view, it was like I'm actually going to cook all the food. We had someone come in and then prepare it and hand it out on the day. But it's like you've come for me, and I've received your love, and here's my gift back to you of being able to celebrate and enjoy the food that I've cooked. And it was like that nice little circular, and it was a great lesson for me to come out of that and be willing to just be open because often we're quite close to that receiving and we shut people down from being able to give. So it's just a message I wanted to put out there for for, for the listeners.
1: That must have been an amazing feeling. I'm kind of like putting myself in in your position of what that would have been like to, to make that happen and also cook for people, but also receive those gifts. And that sounds like a beautiful day. That's mm, awesome. Man.
0: Yeah, it was just awesome because you got this thing from my oldest brother who's from when I'm born to people who due to COVID I'd met them, but not their partners. So you got these people you've just met, mm. so people that you've known for this whole life all coming together and you look around and you go, that's my, that's my life journey. Like everyone here is, this is my life journey, you know, and it's such a really, it was a beautiful experience to see where they've each played a role in your life and how they've come and then see them interacting and them going, oh, I met this person for the first time, and they are such a beautiful person, and I'm so glad I got to meet them. So through you, you've created this community of connection that other people are going to connect into. So um, I would recommend anybody celebrate your birthday, like use it as an excuse. Doesn't matter whether it's you know 27, doesn't matter if it's 32. Like it doesn't have to be. You know, mine was a bit of a milestone, but it doesn't have to be. Like, be willing to go and celebrate an event, and actually just just receive from people what's coming on um it's it's super powerful
2: that's that's really cool
1: sorry go ahead no i'm just gonna say that i love the part about having other giving other people the ability to give i I love that portion because and i i didn't even thought about that that's a (laughs) that's a great that's a great thought
2: that is a good that is a cool point and i mean that's got to be something that you know really challenged you challenge yourself to do that right it wasn't uh Mm. super easy, easy thing to do. And I I think that's kind of going back to your question a little while ago, Nico, on how do we get more people to lean into fear is by letting everybody know that you need to challenge yourself. You need to push yourself to limits that you didn't think that you could get to, whatever that arena is. I mean, that's one of the, the reasons why we do we did Tough Mudder last year and did the Spartan Race this year was just to experience just have a cool experience and to see what we're made of. Now, did we do a great training program? No. We <laughs> we can and I do want to continue on and and do more of these things and bring yeah. as many people with us if if I mean if you're ever in the the states, yeah, even, come on, come we'll, on. We'll, do, we'll do it we'll do it together yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Maybe um, a
0: couple of years to try up for it but i'll come over <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: it's uh it's just really cool because you don't know you don't know what you're going to learn about yourself in the process and this past spartan race the one thing that was really cool that i took away in real time was we got to this one obstacle that just try to explain this the best i can <clears throat> just picture like six really tall Vertical steel rods connected by horizontal ones with the shortest one, probably looking like 10, 12 feet up in the air, which was the farthest away from you. And then it kind of came back like the back of a house roof. Yep. And basically you had to jump up and kind of just pull yourself up all the way to the top and which was, you know, going backwards and then come over the top of it and then down. And we got to that obstacle. We're looking at it, sizing it up. It's like, there's no way like this is, this is insanely tall. It looked like you had to jump four feet in the air just to grab the bottom one. to then just pure upper body and grip strength your way up. And it was almost a, well, let's just do our penalty burpees and go to, go to the next one. But we got underneath it and I was Nico went first and he like jumped off the ground and was able to grab like, like the third bar from the bottom. And I was underneath it. And I was like, this is not even tall at all. And we were able to jump, grab, swing our leg up, flip right over. And it was like, that was one of the easiest things out here. And we almost just went around it and didn't even try. And it's just cool to I just kind of sat there and looked back at it after we finished. It's like, that how many times do we or other people just walk into something and never make an attempt because we perceive it to be too difficult, yeah. perceive that we don't have the skill set or the strength or whatever the area of life it is to be able to get through it? And when you take that first step, and realize that it's might be one of the easiest things you've ever done. And just how silly you can be to not accomplish that task or to not even attempt it. it. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Great story. I I love that because you're right. And, and, but it's even, as you said, it's like, don't even attempt it. Just turn up and go too hard. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I know, which is, which is, Happy to sit in a level of discomfort doing burpees because I know how uncomfortable how uncomfortable that is. But I, but my life is over here in the burpee land, right? And I'll just keep doing these burpees, and I don't enjoy them. But I know I know I know what it is. Whereas yeah, this other thing just becomes yeah. daunting and overwhelming. So yeah, I love that. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, it was really just cool to experience that and be able to just take that away of just you know we're out here. No, it wasn't we weren't sweating like crazy but it were it was getting pretty rough there towards the end you were yeah. dying for the first half of it yeah and uh it was it was just cool to to experience those things cuz we wouldn't have ever done that or I might not have ever seen that or realized it without having done this race mm. right and it's one of the cool things i loved about the beginning of it is the the mc of the heat time or whatever you want to call it said like the first obstacle you guys have already done, which was signing up and showing up here today. And cause I think for a lot of people, that's extremely terrifying to mm, yeah. send the, to, to send that and start that up and pay for it. And all of those things, cause then you're locked in and now it's, now it's for real. Now you gotta show up, show up and do it, but yeah. it's, it's just, it's a cool experience. And I, I've, talked a lot about it before but it's just something to it doesn't have to be a obstacle race but something to like your birthday story or anything else just something that isn't easy that we can really challenge ourselves to do cuz you never know what you're going to learn about yourself in the process
0: and I'm back on the comparison competition right it's it's just you against you yeah. like, it doesn't matter like yeah. so I can't remember who it is. I think it was one of the US presidents at some point in time, like, you know, or it might have even been a UK um, prime minister, but they pretty much turned around and said, you know, the easiest thing is to stand on the sidelines and be, be critical and criticising the person who's actually stood on stage who's actually who's actually attempting the hard gift. It's like so, you know, who are you going to be? The person sitting like in the audience, constantly criticizing and I could do better and I could do this and everything else. Or you're actually going to be the person who's on stage, out there performing, out there actually doing it, making mistakes, being vulnerable. You know, where would you prefer to live? I'm yeah. I'm in the second. Like I want to be out there. I want to be, yeah. you know, I want to be making mistakes. I want to be growing. I want to be learning. I want to be moving forward, you know. Um, because we've all been that person sitting in the audience. Well, being that person watching the Olympics and going, oh, well, I could have jumped higher than that person. Well, no, they're in the Olympics. Like you're sitting back here on your couch. You know, like it's it's, that, it's so easy for us to live in that space. But yeah, the, the, how do we step into something? and, And, and to the earlier point, there is a difference between stepping into something as a growth and a, I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to step into fear and move forward as opposed to, I'm my father here because it's a way to emotionally distract myself from what's happening in my life. They are two different distinct drivers you know, one is, one is like, again, a detractor, one is, you know, one's going to actually going to pull away from it. Like, so we're doing all these things to distract ourselves versus the other one is actually saying, no, I've now set my new baseline. I've set my new bar. I know what I can achieve. You know, I've, I've removed that upper, upper limit belief, you know, that has said, this is the best you're going to get to, or we're going to get to. Like you guys have now set a whole new level, you know, that the, the challenge is how do you not, put an upper limit on that though you know how do you now say okay well i've done spartan but i now need to get a better time or maybe the best time i could get this or maybe i can do that you, how do you just not have that and just say i'm just now going to find another challenge and you know find another mountain climb another mountain How am i going to actually work my way through that and and not worry about the competition the comparison or the upper limit that might come with that
1: i think the the answer for me And also, I think the answer to a lot of what we're talking about, or at least it could be an answer to a lot of what we're talking about, is that we have to be honest about being fearful. I think Mm -hmm. we have to be honest about the fact that I'm afraid about not being in shape next time we go, or I'm afraid about not making this change, or I'm afraid that this is happening. And because of that fear and being honest about it, I'll at least be able to look at it. I'll at least be able to figure out how to change that. And I think that's how we prevent ourselves from setting those upper limit boundaries. And that's how we help ourselves move forward. Just have to be honest about that fear and that'll yeah. create some growth. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, T- Tamarack song. I think it's in his book. True speaking talks into there's only two core emotions, longing and fear there's a whole lot of feelings that come off of those emotions, but they're the two key things. And, and, you know, to our earlier points, like if I'm afraid, talk to it, but then just bring it to the consciousness. What is it I'm afraid of? You know, write it down. You know, I'm afraid that people will laugh at me, pray that I might fail. What does failure actually mean? You know, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, and start just write down all those, those things. And um, there's like, one of the guys that I did a program with, he spoke about truth as being a little t and a, and, a, and a capital T. So all these things we write down about, I'm afraid of, write down and go: Are they a, a a real truth, a capital T, or are they just a story? Is it just a small t that's made up of a level of belief systems that I've put onto it? Um And then that that probably helps you step into it and go: Oh, this is just stuff that I've created myself that's that's holding myself back, you know? And so. It's actually, you know, fear isn't there. Um, you know, how can one person hold a tarantula or over here in Australia, we got a huntsman, so tarantulas are poisonous, but we got the big huntsman. How can someone hold that in their hand, this harmless, you know, big furry spider but harmless versus someone just can't give, stay in the same room? You know, how can someone hold a mouse where, you know, catch a mouse where someone will actually like, I'm at the front door, you know, like that's – the mouse is the mouse. It doesn't change. It's like, it's, it's our perception of it and it's our yeah. fear system and it's our whole background that actually is bringing two different angles in, into that piece. Um, yeah, so that's the the other thing to think about. That's why I always go, you know, like, people skydive. People jump off in these Red Bull flying suits now. People do all these things. Yes, people die from it, sure. <laughs> We're all going to die somewhere sometime, right? But these people yeah. are dying because they're, They're passionate, they love it, they're they're living on that now. Sure, they might be adrenaline junkies and they might be living in a massive world of emotional destruction, and that's fine. But like people are doing these things. So why is it that I can't do it? Because there's there's nothing that other people are doing in this world. Like, you know, people are doing all these things, people are billionaires, people are you know, driving fast cars, people are doing all these things. So what's stopping me being able to do something similar? Sure, there's a skill level, but it doesn't mean I have to hop in a Formula One car today, but I could go through and I could slowly work my way up, go karts, and then, you know, if, you know the next level and the next level because that's what people do. So it's 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 interesting when we talk about fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think there's an acronym for it, which is false evidence appearing real. Yep. yep. So you know that that's what it is. So you know, like, how, how do we just how do we understand that that is just some false evidence that is self built?
1: Yeah, I love that. If there's another human being doing something that you can't do, you can do it. You just have to take your time, make a plan, and make but it doesn't change. it doesn't
2: mean that you should do it though hey I, I don't, I, if you if you want to if you want I to i don't need to be holding any spiders or skydiving i don't i, I know that i could but i, I don't need to <laughs> very true no, i'm I'm no. okay i'm okay without without accomplishing yeah. that yeah. um uh, in so, my life
0: so one of the things i'm doing at the moment which see, there's a fear element too is i'm learning the didgeridoo and so you know, this is an ancient instrument from Aboriginal. Oh, and- that that long one, yeah, yeah the yeah, long one That's yeah, 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 awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm learning that, and there's a local Aboriginal centre around where, from where I live, and there's a um in Aboriginal culture where people got a certain level. There's elders, but then there's uncles and aunties. So this guy's Uncle Michael, and so out of respect, that's what we're calling. And he's teaching me, and there's this other guy there who's been. Learning it since he's 11, he's 18, right? And he smashes this thing. So we're talking dual toning at the same time. And, you know, that big squeal and animal noises and everything else. I'm hmm. using a PVC pipe because that's what the Aboriginal guy said. He goes, No, no, no you're not ready for the wood stuff yet. You go and buy yourself <laughs> from your that's local hilarious. hardware stuff, a 40 mil PVC pipe with a 25 mil connector. And I played, that's my didgeridoo. And so it's really challenging when you're sitting there going, like, I'm getting sound out, but I'm not circular breathing. And then then you go around in a circle and this other person sit there and just plays for five minutes without basically, well, he's breathing, doing all these really cool sounds. So there's that whole, you know, comparison competition where I'm at. And you just got to take a step back and go, "I, I turned up. I've turned up with my PVC pipe. They've got these beautiful wooden digits. That's where they're at. This is where I'm at. And I'm just on my journey and they're on their journey and, and, and they're still, learning, you know, and they're learning still as they're going along. And so, yeah, these these are some little subtle things about how we, you yeah. know, step into it and try something new and, you know, it's training the brain because you, know, you try and breathe through your nose while you've actually got air coming out your mouth.
1: I've I've tried that. I I played in a, a band when I was in middle school, and so I, I learned at least a, about the concept of circular breathing. I've seen people do it and I, I still don't understand how to do it. But that's that's a great point. You have to realize like and be comfortable with where you're at in the process and understand that people are just at a different point in the process. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily better than you because they were at the same point in the process that you are at one point in time, they just maybe started at a different time. So I love that point.
2: Hmm.
0: So, yeah, so uh, that's, that's my current, challenge that's awesome is to to sit in that space get back in the musical side of the world and it brings in the feminine you know for the feminine masculine it brings in the creativity it brings in the feminine yep. aspect where we're so used to going bang 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 it's like i've got to be creative i've got to be with the flow i've just got to relax i've just got to let this thing happen or else if you're too strung up or too tight you're just not going to get any sound coming out of it. it's actually all about relaxation and breathing and it's it's a beautiful breathing like you because the the way this guy teaches is like, like not up through your mouth breathing. It's like down from your belly. It's chant. It's similar to like a chant you get in the Tibetan markets and everything else. It's like a guttural chant that you bring up and bring out through the sound. And so again, you've got to learn how to do deep belly breathing and, and you know, circular deep belly breathing. So it's not any company knows it's going to your belly and coming back out again. So, the whole world of, you know, being able to cope with stress and being able to cope with what's going on around is all about how well we breathe. And so it's got this really nice connection about, you know, that you're present, you're playing it, you're thinking through it, you're breathing, it's calming, it's meditative, you know, and so it's bringing in all these really, for me, that you know, back to that value-add aspects of my life because it's actually bringing everything in together as, as an, and and being creative and sitting in more in my fem- feminine space, which is a really good spot to be.
1: Well, when you get to that level where you're happy with what you're doing, I want to, I want the album. I want, I want your, <laughs> I want your album whenever you, whenever you're done. I love that sound.
2: That is really, awesome. that is cool. <clears throat> but the, uh, to, to answer your question from a little bit ago on the, how to not have that upper limiting belief bar in terms of when we race next time, I think, it's almost always going to be there no matter how you set set it up unfortunately i'm trying to like play around different ways on how to make sure it's not there but i think the, the thing i could settle on is having the only expectation or or i guess goal to be the best that you can be on that given day because if you originally my answer was oh beat last year's time Well, the wrong thing with that is with proper training, I could probably have last year's time, Yeah. but if I'm only trying to beat it, then we're going to fall way short of what we're capable of on that given day. But the flip side of that too is, I mean, you could spend all this time training and perfecting your plans and strategies because there's definitely simpler ways to do some of those obstacles rather than just brute force. and I think that you could have a bad night's sleep the night before you could roll an ankle early on. So then your bar immediately changes mid round, Mm. mid race, mid practice session, whatever it is that you're doing, but always being able to understand what give, give everything that you have in that day, whatever your best thing is, whether that's, doubling your time having it it's super super easily related to golf i mean you don't know what swing showing up to the course that day yeah but if you always hit a draw so right to left ball flight and for some reason you get to the first tee and everything's going left to right you need to play that there's no point if you you show up hitting left to right and you're aiming for right to left all day long because you're going to shoot a million and so i think it's always bringing up whatever we have available that day is maximizing that out and i think that is the only thing i can think of on how to eliminate that upper limiting belief bar for bigger events or hmm. certain things but sorry that yeah, was no, just kind of yeah. working in no, the no, no, i no. had to get that one out
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no i like for me um you touch on you know, just be present right see we go yeah. into the plan but but just be present on the day and just go with the flow you know um and then don't be judgmental at the end you know don't because you know at the end you, you it was the journey it sort of like wasn't the destination, it wasn't yeah. the outcome at the end you can argue and say didn't I didn't even worry about what the time I did, and you might find that you actually did a better time or a less time, but it does it really matter like does it really matter if you did a better or less time? because you actually went through this great experience. And so I think a lot of people who do these sorts of things start and then smash their way through and get to the end, and they're either happy or disappointed, right? They're either happy, but they're only happy because they beat a time. Were they happy because they actually achieved the obstacle or that they they accepted that they had to maybe do the burpee challenge because they couldn't actually do one? Like what? what how present were they throughout this whole experience and and presence brings happiness and joy whilst you're actually doing it. Like how much fun are you having doing it? So it's, again, was it, am I there measuring myself or am I actually saying mm-hmm. I'm here for two hours? How, am, am I actually going to have fun for the whole two hours? Am I going to do it with a smile on my face? Am I going to have a bit of laughter on the way through? Am i Am actually going to see how silly I looked at doing some of these obstacles or being zapped by electric <laughs> yeah. wires running through mud on the, the tough mud thing? right? Yeah. You know, like how much are we doing that? And so that's for me, you know, where's that upper limit? So that's what is part of removing that upper limit because it's sort of like, no, no, I actually just had fun. People go, how'd you go? Loved it. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do, you know, well, what was your time? Does it matter? Like, you know. Right. Does it matter what I did on the time wise. I did it, did not? Like I finished it, you know.
2: Yeah. And I had fun. And I, I think that's that's a good point that it's also how much did you let this, your brain control how you performed on the course or performed in the whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, are you going through everything constantly feeding yourself excuses as to why you're not trying harder, why you're not pushing a little bit more? Are you saying things to yourself like, Oh man, that I can't do that. Cause I'm not ripped like that guy, or I have nothing to prove to anybody. So I don't need to try to push through this obstacle. I can take it easy or do whatever. And for, for me in those things, it's. And I think I learned this a lot doing the, uh, insanity program back in early college and high school is I never felt good after a workout. If I knew I didn't give it my best at the end, if I was just super exhausted and tired and was going through whatever the motions were and just limped through the finish line, I never felt great about everything that I had done for the hour or 45 minutes. If I had totally somewhat slacked off for the first half hour and then turned on the fuel for the last little bit, I always felt better after that. So I think when we go through these things and we just let our inner, as Joe Rogan calls it, our inner bitch just Destroy it, destroy us, and bring us down. Whether it's a presentation we're giving at work, or for some conference, or if it's an obstacle course race, if we're f- feeding ourselves these negative excuses and thoughts to bring us down to what we really think our minimum level of expectation is, where we're comfortable, then that's where we miss out on everything. And that's just why—why why are we even showing up if we're going to do that? Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh- a little hard agree. but <laughs> no, no 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 i i completely agree it's that you know that the 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 monkey brain the monkey chatter in the brain going rah, 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 rah. it's like just turn it off <laughs> not that easy but yeah how can we yeah. slow it down and turn it off and yeah and 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 being present is the whole thing you know and not comparing minute to minute and you know day to day and week to week it's like just having a world of presence can actually help do it because what's happened in the past and what's you know can't change what's going to happen in the future who knows but well, i know what i can do now i know where i'm now i know i can enjoy now i can actually choose to be completely present and just switch all that stuff off and just be there and just just flow with what's happening that doesn't but, mean that we're not going to have a competitive <laughs> juice to get stuff done don't worry about no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah it's, it's always going to kick in but yeah
1: so well guys love it that is uh i think a good time to end it just in respecting everybody's time and uh steven absolute pleasure speaking with you again sir um i definitely think we should schedule another another podcast we'd love to be guests whenever you start back up at the beginning of the year and uh thank you so much for your perspective it's been a pleasure
0: uh it's been great fun again guys and and you are definitely on the top of the list to uh come onto the podcast i'd I'd love to have you guys on mine and uh, you're definitely early 2023 um i'm definitely firing that back up because, yeah, I. Just chatting with you guys, like the passion kicks in, so I'm keen to do it. So great. it's been great again. I've loved chatting with you, and yeah, let's keep chatting. I mean, we, I feel we, we, could talk for hours and hours and hours. Oh yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I, I looked at the time. I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. all right.
2: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> all, all in good fun. But yeah, we appreciate it for sure. Love everything that you're doing. Hope I hope that your new program is everything that that you want it to be, and that it it goes it goes really well for you. Closing out the year, I love. Love the outline you have on your website. So it's, uh, it looks really, uh, really awesome. So I'm sure you're going to reap a lot of the benefit because it definitely wasn't a short amount of time that went into putting something like that together. I can tell.
0: No, no, it was a bit of that, but I loved every minimum. That's the whole thing of that being present. It was just being present and pulling it together. And yeah, so much fun. So again, thanks, guys. Again, I know it's sort of later where you are. So it was, it was awesome to chat. Really appreciate the conversation, and uh, we'll keep hooking up. Same here. Absolutely. Have a great
1: day, Stephen. We'll talk to yeah. you soon.
0: Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you Take later.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.